defund unions, defund unions, defund unions. I sound like I'm outside at a picket uh, chanting in front of some building where no one is really listening. <laughs> Yo, 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 whether you're wearing pants or not, welcome to No Pants Required. I'm your host, X3C, and thanks for joining. Today's episode, all about the controversy. I'm here for it. Let's dive into it. But before we do that, let's jump into the quickie. So today's quickie topic, I want to talk about my recent test drive of a car, a truck, actually. I'm not going to give too much of the details to protect the innocent, <laughs> but I, um, for you guys already out there know, I am in love with electric vehicles and I currently have one. We actually are in the process of buying a temporary, I want to say temporary. Yeah. But we in current, currently we're purchasing another electric car, a Nissan Leaf, um, as a secondary car until, um, the next three years, whenever I think this cyber truck is going to come out, because I really want a truck, period. Um, but I want an electric truck, and I have my eyes set on two of them. A, the cyber truck, which was told to have come out years ago, have not come out yet. Um, we're now told that it's going to be the end of December 23, that it will come out. Um, pretty certain that won't happen either. But um, and, and, and add to that, I am somewhere on the list. And I mean somewhere on the list. I put a reservation in literally two and a half years ago um, to get this truck. And it is, I think I'm like in the number of 2.5 million people who put reservations in. Now, granted, I think the price when it finally comes out is going to be nothing like the prices that was quoted, which was 49000 59000 and 69000 I think all of that was a lie. And the price is going to be probably 80 to 90 and 100 plus thousand for the vehicle. So that 2.5 million would drastically reduce to something much less than the originally thought. So I'm taking all that to say it may be three years before I even get my hands on the vehicle, the truck that I want. Right. So in the interim, I've kept my eyes on the Rivian truck. And people are saying, what is Rivian? I, because I follow electric vehicles a lot just comes off my tongue. I'm in different groups, Facebook groups that um, I'm in Reddit groups. I'm in all these different groups. And so I'm all in that conversation all the time. Well, Rivian is an American car company, a startup company, similar to what Tesla was a few a decade ago. This is Rivian is similar in that same position. They started their own company. They came up with the R1T, which is a truck and the R1S, which is an SUV. And a friend of ours recently took delivery of the R1T truck. And I was like, oh my God, when you get it, let, I'm sorry, when you get it, yeah, there was going to take delivery. So when you get it, I was like, just let me know. I'm, I'm, I just want to see it, test drive it, whatever the case is, right? So within a week, the friend calls and says, um, "If whenever you're ready, come on over. We set a date. Um, we were told that they do not like the truck at all. <laughs> And um, 
of the couple one of them have never even been in it <laughs> so we showed up um to the house to pick up the the, um, the truck um we got the keys they gave us the truck for as long as we wanted it uh to use it and i enjoyed it for the most part like the feel of the vehicle and the inside the outside the specs the styling of it was really out outstanding um i really enjoyed a lot of the adventure features to it really really good truck i really liked it a lot and, and similarly it's similar to a tesla so driving the rivian in terms of the inside components meaning everything on the screen not many but buttons in a vehicle i was okay with that because i'm used to that world and then i drove it um that's where i began to not like it as much um uh, the conserve mode was really, really good, meaning it. I saw the, the the benefit of conserving, I guess, battery consumption while driving, but it felt like a governor or some type of restrictor was put on place to to keep me from really walling out in the truck, and I didn't like that. So I pulled over into a parking lot and switched it to sport mode, and the truck lowered its suspension itself and. Um, begin to drive and it felt snappier and quick like i'm used to in, in an electric truck or electric car in general it felt really good i said okay i like this but the quality of the drive experience from the conserve mode to the sport mode was different and i didn't like it and i was thinking why don't they put both of these into one i don't know it just it, i didn't get a good feeling of the actual driving experience but when i think about the finish the feel of the vehicle and the inside the seat the quality of the interior design design of the, the truck in general i think of the drive quality and then i think of the price i went um emotionally i wanted to buy it the next day logically um we should wait <laughs> so hence why the nissan leaf is joining the family um i i i tell this story because um, I'm not one to make irrational decisions. Usually I do a lot of research and I take my time on making purchases. Um, I never just go and make a purchase. I am, I, I think for me, it's a smart move. I think being calculated like I am is, is, is it works in my benefit. Um, in some arenas in my life, I think being spontaneous is good but also see danger in being spontaneous especially when it comes to big purchases like this so um the truck is still on the list to purchase i'm just gonna wait until the cyber truck actually comes out let it be out for maybe a year work out the kinks and then decide okay have rivian fixed the issues i've had with it before is the price different uh or and what's the price of the cyber truck or the specs in general because we don't even know it's just been, we told one thing and we told it's going to change and I don't know what's going to happen. So um, that's a quickie for today, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls and others. So today's episode, Willie Burden is joining us again, law expert, to talk about all things unions, or as I would like to say, Defund unions. <laughs> What's up, everyone? I'm I'm here to 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 uh, 
definitely uh, change that narrative, hopefully, by the end of yes. this one. Yes. I love it. I love it. Yes. I love a conversation about things. with Change change my perspective. Let's do that. <laughs> yes. Um, now, granted, I tell you guys, look, I'm not necessarily for or against. I'm actually for unions for probably 51%. <laughs> The other 49 percent i'm like shut the hell up go away um but i understand the importance and significance at least i think i do <laughs> um so i would uh, defer that side of the conversation to willie again um and for those who are not aware and willie joined the last episode um we talked about supreme court impact on your life um and I don't want to steal your thunder, but, you know, just to tell the people who didn't hear that episode a little bit about yourself. Yeah, no, absolutely. So, um, uh, and again, thanks for having me back. Uh, so my name's Willie Burden. Uh, I'm a practicing labor law attorney. Um, uh, I, I work for, uh, um, in my opinion, the best and one of the largest labor unions in the country, the International Brotherhood of the Teamsters, uh, which represents uh, around uh, 1.4 million members um, across North America, uh, and so um, and, and uh, so you know I'm definitely happy to be here. I must again say though that uh, while I do work for the Teamsters, I'm not here giving any comments or positions on behalf of the Teamsters, the International Brotherhood of Teamsters. Um, nor am I uh, speaking in my capacity as an attorney uh, for them. I am just simply speaking to you as an individual who is a lawyer uh, who graduated from um, CUA uh, Catholic uh, Law School here in Washington, D.C., who's uh, passionate about all things um, about worker empowerment and, uh, and, and, and just uh, the constitution of people's rights in general. So, uh, so um, with that being said, I think that's a good enough intro. Uh, yes, definitely. Um, well, welcome again to the podcast. I definitely appreciate you taking your time out today to to talk about, um, in particular, two topics really: the right to work and just just my whole theory on defund unions, which you know was a conversation you and I had a while ago. Um, and talking about the right to work and and I came at the the defund union piece and I just love the topic especially speaking to a labor union expert <laughs> I think it's hilarious that you took it pretty well <laughs> um yes yes no it will pay look you know from my perspective it's all about you know just making the case and I feel like when the case is made you know people can most people can make up their minds for themselves. And uh, I like to think that most people tend to at least, even if they don't, uh, uh, you know, as like you said, even if they still, you know, don't necessarily see, uh, completely agree and eye to eye with, with the case I'm making that they at least respect it and uh, then don't look to be anti-union. Right, so. right. Well, I, I, you know, I do, I do like that, that last piece you just mentioned, right? Um, this is by no means anti-union conversation. Um, this really is about the nuances of unions in general and the role that they play. And, and particularly, and we dive right into it, the right to work. Um, 
I really want to have a better understanding. I have a very general, broad understanding of the right to work, obviously. Um, I'm not in a union particular role at my job. In fact, I don't even think we have unions at my job. No, we don't. Um, and in other areas in my life in which I'm aware of unions, in my former days as an as, as educator in the New Orleans public school system, um, I was... I've never actually signed up to be part of a union member, but I was part of or represented by the teachers union. Um, and so I know that dives right into this, the right to work. So I, I, I won't steal your thunder and let you, you cover that piece for us. Yeah. Well, first and foremost, before we let me let me lay out just a few uh, facts that uh, honestly, you know, can be can be backed up in. You know, just by a quick Google research, you know, go back and feel free to search this up. But but uh, first and foremost, I want to lay out that uh, two things have been certainly already proven as true. You can go to uh, United States Department of Labor. Their website has all types of information as it concerns. Um, uh, it's there. And just to, for, for clarity, it's the Worker Organizing Resource and Knowledge Center. It's a uh, on the United States uh, Department of Labor's website, and it's true that in no matter what circumstance you look at it, labor unions for those people that work for uh, companies in which the employees are represented by labor unions, uh, they have higher wages. They are way more likely to have uh, employer-provided uh, health care, uh, as well as uh, retirement. They have certainly better job protections and better paid uh, leave, and all of this has been uh, acknowledged. Uh, 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 I think it's something around uh, that non-union uh, workers earn just like 83% of what unionized workers earn. So that's a difference between like a nine hundred and seventy-five dollars a week to one thousand one hundred sixty-nine dollars a week. And now, um, it, it, in regards to like the uh, statistics, you know, even across you know different uh, spectrums, as it concerns you know uh, white women, uh, uh, unionized women at one hundred percent, non-unionized women make eighty percent of that. Black women at 99% non-unionized would be 73% for Latinas, uh, 103 to 75% of that for non-union workers. So even in regards to just like, uh, I wanted to highlight their women, also women of color, the di vast difference of what it does in regards to being for a union and being and, and not being for a union. And the other piece of that, just so we're full, because it's very important, which is okay, well, yeah, well, that's how much they make, but how much do unions take? Well, the truth is that union dues are, 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 are around 1% to 2% of gross earnings. That's $1 for every $100 earned. So you can do the math for yourself in regards to whether or not having a union and the prospects of what a union can do for you isn't worth the so-called deduction in wages that is hyped up as if it's uh, another tax coming out of the paycheck. Um, and, and so essentially to start the conversation, answer your question, 
um, right to work, in, in my opinion, is nothing but just another means of divide and conquer because it's taking advantage of the fact that workers don't have all information. And it's mm-hmm. an easier point to sell to an individual. Hey, you know, we have a union here and they want me to deduct money out of your paycheck. You should object to this. And the, and, and the worker obviously all of us being in the crunch that we are uh everybody even a dollar off of our paycheck is important to us at least we you know in in theory we we, that's the way we would feel about it and so and so you can understand the initial thought without any more information why that might be a draw for someone of yeah i want to object particularly if i think everything is going to be the same but the truth of the matter is everything is not the same that's just a tactic to Mm -hmm. diminish the funds of the union so the unions can't bring all of the resources they need to bear into the fight to get those different uh, differences in the wages and the benefits and hours that i talked about that you can go find for yourself as listed on the the department of labor's website and so um i'd say that's what the real purpose of white right to work is you know it's always been characterized you know as, as as a as a as a a way to um, object from, you know, having to pay mandatory um, union dues and and, 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 and framed as uh, it's only simply being a deduction without understanding it more of the transaction and understanding what that transaction gets you and looking at the data, the historical information to show you that is probably one of the most safest investments you can make in your workspace and that goes without even saying regards to talking about the at-will nature of most people's relation um, employment relationship most people enjoy their job but there's nothing stopping their employer from walking in and firing them immediately right the union is the only tool that's effective also against that uh, because a union comes with different laws as opposed to you as an individual. That's another thing in regards to people needing to understand the full dynamics of what the union is. So that I think, you know, uh, in, in risk of, you know, obviously, you know, not, not, not going too far into the conversation. I think that's a, you know, good over as regards to what I would say in regards to what right to work truly is and obviously what it has been framed to be. Yeah, I was looking at at some information that related to that and which um, kind of sort of tied to our previous episode from last week about the Supreme Court, um, which is still a hot topic, obviously. But whether union representation, government, uh, representing government employees can collect fees from workers who choose not to join. Um, This was interesting because the high court had a four to four split on this. Um, last time I did my research here, which was last year, uh, not last year, but last year, this, this, uh, decision was rendered, um, which was against the California teachers association, teachers association. Um, and so I think the court is going to have to like revisit this question again. Um, but I, I think through the conversation here, really for me, I want to dive into that lane of, I understand that. Um, the right to work and how it and, and it makes sense, especially the way you explained it, how um, 
it kind of sort of will weaken the unions in general, right? And I do agree with that, right? And it's providing actually more power to the corporations, which is the reason why unions exist. Um, but for one, are people who do not want to join, right? They don't. Are there cases where people are forced to join? They're forced to still pay those dues, or I'm not a I'm a non-union member, but I still have protections from the union or mm -hmm. you know through the union i should say um explain a little bit more about that like it's like your mindset and it comes to that conversation yeah well and that and that's exactly it why it, it really it really helps contribute to the narrative that unions are not ineffective because what will happen is an employer will point to a shop whereby he's convinced a significant number of the people to not pay dues and then point to the ineffectiveness of the union then to get those changes. And those same individuals that are objecting in part are the ones subject to different violations of whether it be agreement, but no one of the group, whether it be those who are paying dues or not paying dues, can get recourse because the union isn't operating at full strength. And that's what people don't understand. It's almost like in my case, you know, expecting to, to, to you know, imagine going into, um, you know, any situation, I guess, you know, you want to uh, build a car, you want to build a car but you don't buy any of the components beforehand. You just show up and then expect the car to be built. Mm -hmm. And so that's, that's, that's the critical piece of information in looking at how this works is that which isn't always communicated to the people. And again, I can understand why people don't want to join um, a union in every single union election, um, you know, particularly those of any, uh, numerous you know we have a hundred hundred or more so a thousand people in regards to a unit um you're gonna have some people that vote no but i would also people to recognize that in what institution what democratic institution do we have now in which we are not people are not subject to the will of the larger group uh you as an individual again your right to work there is is at will and only subject to the employer's uh, will. The only way that changes is bringing in a union. Um, and, and so again, when, when people are looking at, you know, why don't I want to join a union? I would then, you know, ask themselves to really examine that for yourselves and to say, okay, well, at the crux of it, what is the union going to do that's going to detriment my life um uh what is it is it is it some matter of principle is it just a matter of principle or is there actually some tangible harm that i can identify and if i can identify that tangible harm then maybe you should, i should have a conversation with one to see if that's actually factually true in regards to what is i'm fearing because i say in, in most cases most people again without any more knowledge just by the simple fact that the union is going to be taking two dollars out of my paycheck um each cycle and yeah yeah i think it, right and, and, and to your point you know any little bit like that definitely for some individuals it definitely matters right um especially when i'm not even asking for this type of representation representation um to your point though 
maybe not fully understanding the value you're gaining for that simple, small $2 fee. Um, for them, it's just simply there's a dollar amount associated with it. I don't want it. Get out of my face. When in actuality, we actually just given you increases over the past five years and a slew of other protections that you otherwise wouldn't have had. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do see the value there. On the flip side of that, because that's why I like that's why I titled the episode Defund Unions. <laughs> um let's talk about GM. Was it GM? Was it Ford? I think it was GM. Um before the 2008 bailout. Mm-hmm of the car, the larger, I should say, car um, manufacturers here in the United States, um, it it became very clear that the pension program for some of the, uh, I I believe it was GM, um, employees were 100% of their salary. And that was all negotiated by the unions, right? The employees Mm -hmm. over time fought for that, right? So the unions went out there and fought for it. And I think um, sometimes I think unions could become so powerful that here's where the the negative impact. I really don't we really want to use that word negative, but alternative impact, I should say. There we go. Um, of the you know just what the ask is, right? And so in that case, the ask was we want you know, compensation for our retirement plans. And and when this stuff came out, I was like, wow, I see why the company is filing for bankruptcy. It was definitely GM because Ford did not. Yes, mm-hmm. it was definitely GM. Um, but I see why the company filed for bankruptcy is because this company um, was really getting, you know, taken, I won't say advantage of, but really, you know, providing 100% of someone's salary. I mean, you really hardly ever get that um, for retirement. But that was something that was legislated through the union process. And so I always think like, wow, I can see where unions can overreach. Um, and obviously one of the, the greater overreaching areas, in my unexpert opinion, <laughs> are the police unions, right? Where it's not just about a value gaining, meaning like protections. Well, let me take, take the back. Value gaining in terms of value of their employment protections and i think this is where it goes a little too far in some of the unions where the protections are so great that it's almost impossible to get rid of a person right Mm -hmm. you have a poor performer who is not performing but you can't really do anything or it takes a long arduous process to remove this individual right and that's Mm -hmm. because unions put a little bunch of protections in place right and so always my brain goes to both sides of the coin where i'm like Yes, I see the value. No, get out my face. You mm-hmm. you want too much and you're providing too much protection for people, right? So that's why I come, you know, at it from this angle. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just very interesting that, uh, you know, it may come across as anti-union, anti-union, but it's really not. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I don't, I don't. So, you know, you, that's a very, very interesting point you just brought up, right? And so... Maybe I want to hope to bring a new consideration, particularly to the point about police unions, right? Because there's there's some unique characteristics there that aren't necessarily always true as it concerns um, every union, 
mm-hmm. um, you know, but you know, primarily, I want to highlight that, that I think the biggest issue we have in regards to accountability with that is that um, people should understand that the unions have never been tasked with, nor by nature are supposed to be tasked with being a um, neutral party in that sense. The union's job, and even by, you know, honestly, by, by law, honestly, in regards to the duty of fair representation, their, their, their duty is to try to protect all members. I think the issue that we see there is regards to the fact that we do not, although we acknowledge in every society that conflicts of interest um, as it concerns involvement in cases, should disqualify judges from being able to hear certain cases, should be able to disqualify um, lawyers, attorneys from taking different cases. Well, why is it that when you have um, attorney generals who are tasked with working with police officers and police departments every day, that we don't acknowledge the personal relationship that exists there and then turn around and ask that same exact person then to press charges or file charges against right. their coworker. Right. And, and and that's where I think we have to look at regards to that issue, at least for me from my perspective, because the police unions are still, you know, from from my perspective, doing your job. And uh, as regards to pension you know you're absolutely right there too in regards but i don't you know don't even want to 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 um to 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 characterize any differently because i don't you know think it's necessary but you know also the same regards when unions enter negotiations they absolutely enter it into with the um with the hopes of getting as much for their members and people as possible the 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 onus in regards to uh, determining what is feasible in many cases warrant is ha- has to be laid at the feet of the employer and then certainly the pension plans who are third parties in themselves who come into the mix of negotiations and pitch a proposal to both sides but in many cases employers don't even like turning over their financial records to the unions so unions are left guessing to know um, what what uh what what's there that's why uh the right to gain information the right to request information uh um, was enshrined into law in regards to unions be able to request stuff for negotiating purposes because employers don't don't do not play fair as it concerns they do not want unions to know how much money they have because then unions could accurately calculate how much wages they actually how much room they could increase (laughs) right that makes sense right well, I mean, true, which can always change. That's a, that's a funny, uh, interesting point you bring up there. Um, I see the value from the business side of that where I would definitely not want that to happen. Um, but I also see the value of that for the union represent leaders, and particularly where if a company did well for like a three-year period, well, shouldn't the employees do well as well? Mm-hmm. Um, but in this case, they don't. The company just makes more money on the bottom line. Um, but the employees, you know, usually will get, don't receive any type of increase or unless you are, are an executive and you get some of that profit sharing. Right. Not everyone is 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 um, is eligible to receive that. But I definitely think it's interesting when. um you know, in the bad times, because we don't not always think about the good times. What about if the companies are performing poorly for three mm-hmm. years? Mm-hmm. The same argument here. And do we reduce the employee salary for this three year period? 
Um, so I can see where keeping it stable, regardless of the profit margins that, you know, it's air quote, fair labor market in terms of your salary. Um, I, I see some value there, right? I, I yeah, I have a little bit pause on because <laughs> I don't know if an employee would want to be or would someone sign up for a job? Maybe they would. If, hey, the company makes a lot of money and I'm helping that company make a lot of money, I'm going to get more money in my my salary. But when the company's not performing, then my salary would decrease, right? And it's, I wonder who if, if there are people out there willing to do that. In my mind, I would say that that's everybody who knows about unions and then chooses to not be in a union. Because in my in my opinion, what you described is, let's say, for example, like Amazon. Okay, when Amazon does well, we don't increase the the the, the wages. If we do, it's marginally, but we increase the number of positions out there. We'll give more jobs, give more shifts, more hours. Season down, down season comes, or we're gonna slow down. We just terminate individuals. You're 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 at will. You're subject to will. Versus unionized company, well, that's not allowed. And so another point that I think is great to bring up, which you actually helped me bring up, thought is you know also tell another side too is uh, people don't understand too that unions also assist employers and companies because it is a partnership. When those troubling times come. Unions don't are not in the business of putting businesses out of business. That would be uh, decreasing our own membership. If we have a, if we working with an employer with two thousand employees, that's two thousand members we lose if they go out of business. Right. So we we're the voice also in there talking to the members in many circumstances, uh, explaining to them the difficulties the company is going to getting them to take concessions before. There's plenty of times, uh, particularly when companies were going through those hard times during the last recessions, uh, that, that, that unions uh, told their members to, to advocate for their members not accepting any raises at all. And, and, and so that uh, preserves jobs, but also preserves companies. The alternative is, again, that uh, all the power go to the business, which is, okay, well, we unilaterally decided to cut back. We just downsize. We just downsize workers because I tell you what doesn't change when Amazon, you know, again, just for the example, when Amazon cuts uh, drivers or, or cuts in warehouse workers, uh, the uh, Jazzy and Bezos salary doesn't decrease. Correct. I, I promise you that. Right. It doesn't. Right. That's um, right. Um, <laughs> it's just very fascinating in general. I think sometimes when we're in those fat um, economies where individuals, especially at the corporation level, definitely are bringing in more revenue and, and or more profits, especially if they're, they, they found ways to to streamline their uh, revenue streams and their costs and operating costs. I think it's important that, you know, a company recognize, so that's when companies I think have to have some type of air quote soul, right? You, you, you don't want to overgrow, for example, that you brought up about the Amazon, right? You may want to expand within, um, you know, maybe folks from one sector of the organization can, can move over uh, given opportunities 
to move over within an organization and, and vice versa versus we're letting people go. Right. And um, or to your other point, you come going back to the employees who are within the union and saying, or those who are not even part of the union saying, hey, we, we the company is experiencing um, some financial un uh, uncertainties and for the next year, um, are you guys willing to take a, a, a salary decrease? And I, I don't think it would be something significant, but something where it can help sustain the company um, for a year at minimum, right? And and that's also part of the conversation that I do see where a union could really play a major part in that. Um, I worked on an organization where there was a union on one half of the group, not the entire organization. Mm -hmm. And the union, um, you know, it fought for years for different type of benefits. And I do see the value of that, and especially how it was implemented at this particular organization. Um, so there was really no negative there. Um, but I just think it gets a little tricky where you brought this up before. I believe it was also in the previous ep uh, podcast episode where we talked about local government. Mm -hmm. And, you know, maybe there are times where our elected officials, like some of these things could be done at, at a state and local government level, um, as opposed to having unions get involved at all. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, if there are some type of written laws that was on the books where, you know, these type of standard um, environment, standard approaches to work in general, um, we wouldn't need to have unions fighting on behalf of the employees because there were those laws will already be in place. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, and you are you are you are absolutely right in regards to in in theory these protections and everything would already be in place. But absolutely, as you pointed out, for all the different reasons that we know, will you know always this is the way our system is businesses have more interest and more uh influence as it concerns the politics so the laws as it concerns labor will never be on the side of workers it will never be in the favor of workers to the extent where labor unions won't be needed um at least you know in my opinion um and and a large part of the system in which we've built and the laws in which we've enacted, you know, mm -hmm. going back uh, all the way to the onset of the uh, National uh, Labor Relations um, uh, Act, the Wagner Act, and uh, et cetera, all the way up, uh, it, it's always been to try to balance the powers back in favor of what clearly has been a dominant business side. And, and, so, and so unions are going to have to continue to even play the role in regards to if it's possible to do exactly what you just um, suggested Warren unions are the ones leading that fight too advocating to states to change laws change misclassification laws increase minimum wage laws uh, increase compliance on, um, on, 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 on insurance uh, provided provider provisions it, different different things that people should have in regards to uh, 
working in regards to working in an environment and particularly for a lot of these companies again who are it's not a matter of can't can't afford it it's just a matter of we can treat these people this way and thus we're going to do it they don't have that soul in which you referred to that is non-existent in many right. of the most successful uh, companies we have right and so um I'll say maybe a happy median here is when I say defund unions. It's really just a catchphrase, to be honest with you, to get to get um, this topic more at, into everyone's frontal lobe. I'm really suggesting here that there's more pressure put on our local elected officials and federal officials to enact certain standard laws across the board. That way, those who are, you know, um, not making as much in their particular work um, of choice or work current work environment now, we don't have to pay these fees, right? And these dues, and and there are ways where we can recognize where there were unions that may have overreached in some some cases, um, and I'm I'm saying not the unions, but maybe under the Maybe under uh, maybe utilize, using the unions to overreach in some cases. The ones is particularly about the police unions, where you know, and to your point, you know, you have a a, a partner in in a particular uh, work industry, and that same individual is working the case. It's like, well, I'm not going to point at this individual. There, he or she have been doing a good job for 20 years, you know, and and continue to do a good job. They may have messed up this one time, you know. The accountability side of it is where I'm really, I get a little bit frustrated when it comes to some of the unions. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think to your point, um, I do see the good of the unions. I do see the value um, in absent of written law. Mm-hmm. 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 And, uh, and you know, another thing, particularly for those that did ch- have chimed in for, for both episodes, um, Unions are also at the forefront of the fight of slowing down what we talked about and it concerns the uh, change and transition to this technology through this technological revolution where artificial intelligence is really impacting the service industry. Um, unions are the only thing again, I want to highlight unions are really the only thing in which can protect you from just being, terminated because the employer has decided I don't need you because I can make more money without you basically I can use a robot to replace you um, all kinds of things you know if you if you're one that's really into like looking up legislative stuff uh, Google uh, the one-to-one automation laws that are you know beginning to float around which is like these are real things that are gonna have to go into place because And what those laws basically are, they're going to have different names. Basically, say like if you have an automated system, you must at least have a human operator along with it to, um, you know, to 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 monitor it, to for safety reasons, and also essentially also to preserve jobs of employment. Because the rest of what we're going to see here is just you know, lots of jobs being wiped out, and then lots of people are going to be wondering, oh, where's my union? I wish I wouldn't have voted no back for that too right <laughs> right exactly 
Yes, and so, so yeah, I think that's, you know, definitely something, you know, we're also, you know, bringing into this conversation when we're talking about it. And, and now, if you don't know what a union, there, there, I, you, it's okay to, if you, if this is the first time you're hearing about unions and what unions do, forgive yourself. Cause I'm gonna be honest with you. When I went to law school, I had no idea what a union was. It wasn't until the end of my first year, my 1L year, that I actually began to learn what a union was. I was fortunate enough to get a, a, a clerkship at the National Labor Relations Board. And so that was my introduction to labor law. And so a lot of people don't know um, what, what, what unions are, what they do, and how the laws around them change when they're part of a union as opposed to just out there as an individual by themselves. Right, but that's 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 fair. Um, when I think about a topic we had previously about um, um, living wage or human wage, um, when I think about Twitter and Elon Musk firing people right now, um, mm-hmm. because I am assuming technology is going to um, replace those individuals, I think, well, it has to be some type of due process. Um, mm-hmm. I'm all for companies, you know, if you have to protect your bottom line in order to remain in existence, I am all for that. But there should be some level of due process for when people are um, um, or let go. And I, and I agree with you, having a union in place to help protect at least minimally that, I mean, it provides more value than that. But at minimum, that I think that is super useful mm-hmm. to have. Yes, yes, yes. I, if anything, I think that's a great point, at least for people to to know. Um, and and again, most people, when you get into unions, you realize, you know, uh, unions are just a collective of worker power that's all it is and when most people realize that it's not just a matter of like the union taking money i can also be involved in my union like i can actually then have a voice i can a lot of unions even uh like like the union i work for you know require that uh, workers, not just not just uh, you know some some company attorney, not just myself. You know that ain't that ain't there. Be at the table, you know, negotiating stuff. Require that a worker, someone actually on the shop floor, be mm-hmm. at the negotiating table. Uh, how how is that? Who gets to do that? In what world do you actually get to walk? You know, a lot of us like to think that's how it works. That's not how it works. When most of us get hired, you sign you sign your name to this four or five page document that pretty much says you can do whatever you want to me, and I'm just here as long as you tell me I can be here. In what world do you actually get to say, "Well, I don't like that fourth clause," and then the employer can't just do like just just say, "Screw you, get out of my face." Mm-hmm. Like, that's what unions do, and it allows you to be the one also as a part of that negotiating with backing up of resources, which is why you also should not object. Uh, to uh, 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 to dues if you are a part of a union because it's your own resources that you're cutting from yourself who will be at the table negotiating that stuff. So make total sense. Well, this is good information. Um, hopefully, we shed some light on those individuals who were maybe in the same ballpark where I was, um, and those who maybe even on fence currently. Um, though we didn't have this as a live um, episode to take feedback from the general audience, I would say if you guys have any questions or comments on the topic, 
to reach out to me. Um, I will provide information for that, that Willie mentioned in this episode description. And um, also, you know, you can reach me on Instagram. It's probably the easiest way to do it or via email. And I will also have that information in the episode description to provide any feedback or comments. All right. Well, this is another successful episode. I do appreciate you joining. Yes, yes. Glad to be a part of it. Appreciate you having me. And uh, like I said, who knows that we'll be back. This is not, this is forever changing. Um, this is true. Yes. <laughs> so. Right. Well, thanks again, Willie. Um, good talk, friends. So until next week, remember, positive energy leads to positive vibes. Don't forget to subscribe if this is your first time joining No Pants Required. We can be found on Google Podcasts or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Peace.